conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. Surviving a pandemic is like running a marathon. Luckily, I've been carbo-loading. People say I'm self-centered, but would you rather me hang to the right? <laughs> we know who the winner is this week. Uh, you guys, this is Girls. Episode 169. I'd like to formally apologize on behalf of my tagline, and which mine. I couldn't. No, yours is amazing, which I couldn't figure out until we started recording. And OMG, I'm so excited to be joined, of course, for what is going to be, I think, a deep episode of Andy's Girls. There's a lot to fucking say. So who better to say it with than OG of the AG, co-host of the amazing podcast you might know her from, and senior producer, maybe president of VH1? Let's just put that out there. Let's like put that energy <laughs> out there into the ether. None other than Sir His Holiness king of everything mr monsieur damien bellino damien how are you bonjour thank you for that (laughs) intro i am for sure not the president of vh1 thank you it's great to be here the streets the streets have been talking that's just (laughs) just what i've heard i'm not saying it's not wrong i'm just saying that i have a, a vested responsibility to share that with you and several thousand other people i'm learning from these shows that we're watching i'm gonna put it on linkedin i'm gonna say word on the street president (laughs) president at viacom cbs you know what wouldn't that be great actually i wish there was like a division of linkedin that was specific to like references and reference (laughs) letters and it's just called word on the street (laughs) like word on the street damien was a delight to work with and you should hire him for everything forever and ever amen I'm into it. Somebody um, monetize that shit and send me a check. I'd appreciate it. Because um, I'm I'm unemployed in three and a half weeks. Um, Damien, there is so much for us to talk about. First off, we're recording this Sunday morning, the morning of the Potomac premiere. Oh, my God. 
You've already seen it. I'm so fucking jealous. I I am so excited. As we were talking about while we were setting up here that like I'm beyond excited. And like I was in Pennsylvania quarantining. Sorry, I'm I'm really derailing the show. I was... (laughs) I was, well, one of us has to. It's I, an Andy's Rose tradition. I was with my um, family for a few weeks in Pennsylvania, and I like made it a point to watch Beverly Hills while I was there. Like Beverly, oh, it was like the that and Drag Race were like the only things that I made mm-hmm. sure to watch still. And like I would just be like, "Mom, we're watching this," or "I'm watching this like later when you go to bed." But I like I like New York. I was like whatever about. So it's like that. I like when I got back to um, back here, and I was like excited to be back in New York, and I was like, "Oh my god, Beverly Hills is on tonight!" Like that excitement is how I feel about Potomac. It's like. I didn't feel excited about New York when I had to watch that. I'm ex- like the when you get excited about a an episode of a Housewives, it's like so exciting to me to be like, oh my god, I'm gonna like have wine and get like I'm gonna order my like favorite meal and I'm gonna like make sure it's like ice cold in here, get a blanket. I'm very excited. It is. It's very exciting. I have to tell you. So Bravo reached out and invited me to the first ever virtual screening oh. of. I don't even know if it's like a, if it's the first ever of a franchise. I guess it is because it used to be IRL. So they it was with um, myself and some of my Bravoholic um, besties. Um, shout out to all of you. You know who you are. And um, so it was a Zoom with. So they sent us um, two screeners. So I've seen the first two episodes of Potomac. I've watched both of them twice. And that will not be the last time I watch either of those episodes. I'm probably going to watch them on a loop as soon as we're done uh, with this recording once again. Um, so it was with Giselle, Robin, Dr. Wendy, Ashley, Candace wasn't on, Karen wasn't on, and Monique was on. So every, um, everyone and, but Candace and Karen were there. Exactly. Um, and so it was an opportunity um, for us to talk to the ladies, um, which was great. I asked a question of Giselle, which she actually loved, which was fantastic. So I may have that audio for you guys on next week's episode when I recap uh, episode one. Um, but it was like amazing. It was so awesome. And I have to say that there was definitely, I felt like a sea change having been fortunate and, um, you know, so appreciative and so grateful to have been invited to some of these like smaller scale events. And I definitely felt like a sea change in the audience of this, um, screening. I saw a lot of amazing black Bravo holics who were in attendance, which is so fantastic. I feel like that is Bravo really, um, noting and doing better with making sure that they are open and opening these like smaller exclusive events to um, specifically black Bravo holics and a more diverse audience. I think that's awesome. And my hope is that they continue doing these Q and A's because it was so much fun. We were all losing their mind. Bravo put screenshots and videos of it on their social media. You can see me like gagged essentially staring at these women on Bravo's Instagram handle. And I thought it was so amazing um, that it was like a really true, it felt like a truer example of who the audience is for Housewife shows. And I thought that was awesome. They did it for Potomac. And I have to say, Bravo, if you're listening, I would love for you to do more of these um, Zoom screenings. I thought it was such a good idea. So smart. We were all losing our minds. And I'd love to see Black Bravoholics, more Black Bravoholics at a screening for New York episodes in the future, at a screening for Beverly Hills episodes. Um, 
I think that would be fantastic. I don't want a, us to lose this idea of making sure that, you know, access is diverse for um, franchises that are comprised of black women. I want to make sure that the Bravoholic um, uh, access is open for uh, black Bravoholics to shows that are unfortunately right now predominantly white. So I just want to throw that out there that it would it was so fantastic to see they did such a good job it was so much fun robin was eating fries and then she's like guys i also have a cheeseburger they were all in full glam and she was eating a cheeseburger and i damned with her since like there has never been a more iconic protein and carb that i have <laughs> ever seen in my entire life than robin motherfucking chomping down it was wonderful it was fantastic and i just there's not a lot of like tea i can spill because um did you feel turned off because robin was chewing while she was on camera no i unfortunately my lifelong aversion to hearing people <laughs> chew things um there is an exception there is a clause in that book and that clause in that book if there is any real housewife of potomac or maybe 70 percent of the housewives they want to chew on something when I'm talking to them. Chew right ahead. Love it. Music to my ears. Just want <laughs> angels strumming their whatever the fuck they do. Harps situations. Like, die for it. Love it. Love it to bits. <laughs> um, so that was, that was great. So, guys, I can't say a lot about the first two episodes. You know, we're recording this Sunday morning. Happy Potomac uh, premiere day. Um, there's this really cool filter that Bravo's doing on their Instagram that you can do I'll put up a little um I'm gonna story myself in one after recording this where it's like you use the filter and it's like you're wearing which a put real housewife no 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 not the not the Bravo one of like which real housewife of New York are you but it's like Potomac specific where once you press the filter on IG the Potomac um theme song starts playing and you're wearing a flower crown that says real housewives of potomac and it's like very purple and gorgeous so um guys do that and also just like friendly reminder all four seasons current seasons of potomac are all available online either um hulu is essentially the place to go for uh housewife archives and bravotv.com has had them um available um for international ags i hope that there's a way for you to access previous seasons and you just got to get on board like you just got to get on board with Potomac there's no reason not to it's the single number as I discussed with Giselle when you ask any Bravoholic what your favorite franchise is 99% of the time they're going to say Potomac and they're going to say that for a reason um and all I can say about this season from what I've seen from watching the first two episodes is like you 100% need to get on board because I genuinely that it absolutely looks like it is going to be the best season of any franchise of like modern housewives history. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like I know for a lot of us in our heart and soul, like season three of New York is where it's at, but this is giving you something that has <laughs> Damien just give me eyes, but this is giving you something that has never been seen before. It is so dynamic. The energy, the second it starts, you're like, Holy shit, what am I about to be in for? And Regardless of what happens, we've heard that, you know, later on in the season, there's some sort of incident altercation with um, Candace and Monique. Uh, my guess is that this season is so amazing. 
aside from whatever happens that that's not going to be like the explosive moment you know like every episode is just wild and so spirited and so high energy and guys you just got to get on board you got to get up on board the potomac train you cannot be you cannot call yourself a bravoholic if you're not watching potomac like you got to do it and if you haven't watched all the previous seasons as you all know and i think you are in agreement you know, you wa- you have to watch season one of everything and start from the beginning. I give you guys full permission. If you feel like you cannot start with season one of Potomac, you're low on time or whatever, I give you permission. You can start with season two, but you can't really do, you can't start with three or four. It just doesn't make any sense. I just, I would rather you watch it than didn't, but I want you guys to be informed. The okay? sad, the s- like informed Bravoholics. I respect that decision, except that the sad part is that you are robbed sort of of the arc of Sharice Jackson Jordan and yes, yes and yes and I realize she's yes. not currently on the houses anymore but I think she will come back one day and that arc is so wild <laughs> also her money is so confusing and exciting that like almost for reason alone just to see her arc it's worth watching season one and here's the thing is that even in seasons that you're like it takes a little bit of time to um like hold on to or to really kind of vibe with the new franchise. The first season is so important because it's setting the tone and like understanding like Karen and Giselle's dynamic and how wild their arguments used to be. Like when they were, you know, standing a position about where you're sitting at a table at a birthday party as a power move and using that for several episodes. And also the fact that similar to Real Housewives of New York, when Potomac filmed their entire first season, they did not know that they were going to be a housewife show. When New York filmed, they thought they were going to be Manhattan moms. And when Potomac filmed, they thought it was going to be some sort of offshoot of Jack and Jill. Um, This place where, you know, it's like a mom, kid, whatever the fuck it is for um, rich people. So, um it's great. I mean, it's great to see how that maybe changes or doesn't change the way in which these women interact with each other and hosting events and everything else. I just, I can't recommend it enough. Also, please, please. Also, if you're a fan of like all like, o- like the older franchises, I mm-hmm. like Jersey, Beverly Hills, Atlanta, New York, OC, I guess I can't actually don't remember OC season one, but like these women are, were really connected, which feels kind of rare now in like housewives casting where it's like, mm-hmm. so-and-so is somebody's friend and it's like so tertiary or so peripheral in their in the way that they're like, quote unquote friends. Like Leah was Tinsley's friend. And then Tinsley was like, when I met Leah and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but you know, like on Potomac, like the, like four of the OGs are like super connected. And then the other two women are sort of like what makes that like they are like the people that are able to call that shit out because they are Mm -hmm. introduced to them the way we are introduced to them totally uh yeah it's that's so important and the fact that these women do have relationships with each other and just watching the dynamics specifically of like Sharice v Karen v Giselle is wonderful I mean these women are wonderful if you had seen all of our faces and it's like people on that you know, um, Zoom, who have, like, many, many, many hundreds of thousands of followers. These are, like, people who are helping lead the conversation about what Bravo fans are talking about online. And we were just all just – it was, like, we were all thrilled to bits. If you saw, like, any of our – like, there was a chat in the Zoom, and so, like, Robin's chatting about, like, her dinner and Wendy. Like, while the Zoom was happening, it was awesome. And also, Dr. Wendy is – I mean, she's a doctor. She's a professor at Johns Hopkins. She knows what the fuck to do. 
she is very quick and very funny and I am very curious to see how she interacts with these women as the season goes on because I just am very curious to see it she seems like excellent casting like Potomac has done such fantastic casting and she just seems like a spot on perfect addition to the group it's really true that they really haven't had any duds on the show like they replaced somebody got fired and and Monique was hired she's been an excellent I think Katie was fired and Katie? Monique came on. Well, Not yeah. fired, but Katie. I mean, yeah. Monique was brought on season two. Right. Somebody came on season three. I don't know. And then Candace came on, and I was kind of, like, hesitant about Candace. And then I was like, nope, she makes sense. She's perfect. Yeah, I mean, Candace and Monique, you know, aside from, like, the 5G of it all with <laughs> Monique online, she's got she's got some thoughts, you guys. Um Aside from that, they were, or maybe not because of that, um, but they were great cast. I mean, it's like regardless of whether or not you agree with some of these people IRL, <laughs> she was a great addition to the show, and we'll see how that goes for her this season. Um, she also is friends. She was at somebody's baby shower. Was she at Portia's baby shower? I love. I love when a when another person shows up at another in another city. Was Monique? She there? was. She was in an Atlanta woman's baby party, and I don't know if it was. Um, I'm assuming Eva, maybe. No, I think no. it was Portia. I'm pretty sure she was like in the. Ba- oh, I love that. She was just like in the background of a party. I think it was maybe it was the gender reveal. It was a party either early this season or late last season. Oh my god, I lo- that's amazing because I've seen women from Married to Medicine, another show. P.S. with a focus on OG this season, the franchise I'm obsessed with. The you 100 should watch. Um, but the Married to Men women have made married. What did I just say? Married to Med. Married to Med. Married to Med medicine women. Um, have cameoed on on atlanta well, before dr jackie i mean hello um so that was fantastic so guys all this to say happy potomac day and um i'm so excited for you guys to see the premiere tonight because you're gonna um lose your mind um so guys i had an interesting exciting weekend this weekend because uh, on social media yesterday, uh, which feels like six years ago, um, I joined with 23 other Bravoholic accounts who have come together. So 24 of us uh, representing a total of 1.8 million followers. Uh, when you look at all of our um, accounts online, and obviously, you know, my account covers like 97% of that 1.8 million. <laughs> so, you know, look at that. Um, so we announced a brand new initiative that's essentially, cr- oh, not essentially, that's literally created um, by Bravoholics that we have all publicly signed on for, which is something called the Bravoholic Pledge, with a focus on advocating for and supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, we pledge the following. We acknowledge that there's a difference between supporting black people in theory versus showing up with active behavior. For non-black Bravoholics, myself included, we'll listen to and amplify black voices, work to collab with black members of the Bravo community. Again, for non-black Bravoholics, it's our responsibility to normalize conversations about race, especially in spaces within the Bravo world that are predominantly non-black. 
We will also take responsibility when we do wrong. We'll think before we uh, react. We'll hold the network and ourselves accountable. And we won't collab with individuals who behave in a manner that is antithetical to these beliefs. Um, more on that, if you look at uh, our social media accounts, um, including mine on Instagram at Dame Galley, and our ask to Bravo fans is to comment on these posts as you see them by all of us. We've all um, posted them on our main and or on stories um, since yesterday's launch. And so our ask to you guys at home is to comment on our post. If you agree to sign on to the pledge, tag your friends and favorite Bravoholics and share widely. I have to just say um, it's one thing to say that you're an ally and to talk about Black Lives Matter on your Bravo pod. It's another thing to agree to uh, come together um, and publicly sign on for this and also then spread the word because it's like one thing to say like I sign on it's another thing to say I sign on and I'm putting this on my feed in Maine or stories for like hundreds of thousands of people to see so I just commend everybody who signed on and you know I asked everybody who you could think of to support this um, movement either by signing on or if you know that wasn't whatever um that they for whatever reason um that people spread the word and so i have to commend watch what crappens for example who happily um shared this with their community which i think is so fantastic and i think at the end of the day we all need to realize that when we work together um and we're working together to support the Black Lives Matter movement and our members of the black members of the Bravo community that when we all join together as one, there's like no reason not to. Like if you agree with what we're saying and you agree with what we're doing and you are a member of this community and you have a platform and you're a Bravoholic with a podcast or a Bravoholic with like a huge audience or whatever else, like you should sign on. There is to me, there is no excuse. And I say that as someone who helped write this so um take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because I fervently believe that when all voices come together they're so much more impactful than one but I would just really encourage folks that if you have and encourage your favorite um Bravoholics that um you know this isn't the last time that we're going to be coming together this is our second time um our first one was demanding the network use black lives matter uh, discuss black lives matter and have black lives matter specific programming on tv and not just instagram live and i'm so excited that the network is doing that with a special next week next sunday at 10 following a new episode of potomac and i will be watching live which you guys know i hate to do but i absolutely um will do that because i need to um as an ally and i want to make sure that they have um audience numbers too and that is really important to watch in the moment live instead of the next day um but anyway, all this to say that I'm just so appreciative of the people who did sign on. I think it's so fantastic. So many um, friends of, of mine in the Bravo world signed on and also people who have just spread the word about it. And I think that's so fantastic because even if you weren't able to add your um, name, the fact that you're still using your platform to spread the word is amazing. And I would just encourage folks to look at the names on that um, on 
on the pledge itself when you look at it online and after you're done sharing it with your followers uh you guys yourselves i um which i think is really important um that you you know follow these accounts including several accounts of black bravoholics who um could use your support so give them a follow um once you're done listening to this episode or while listening because i believe you can do more than one thing at once and um, we would just like to thank everybody who's already shared and commented. I think that's that's really great. And just one other thing on that. And sorry, Damien, that I'm just like talking. No, 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 no. Um, but, you know, when we put out that uh, the first petition asking for, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter centered programming on TV and not just IG Live, um, the, the network obviously saw, but didn't comment, like, share. And I understand that because that was action aimed directly at them. And frankly, I hope that their focus was reacting to it and making, you know, better choices or making us feel heard. And I do because of the special that came out. I think that's fantastic. It's exactly what we were asking for. Um, and with this, this is actually not a critique of the network. This is um, us saying as... Um, influencers, whatever the fuck else you want to say about our role in the community, saying that we need to hold ourselves accountable, that we are so happy to be part of the Bravo community and we want to make this community better and we want to be responsible to ourselves and to our followers. And um, it's so important. It's actually really positive. It's a good, positive thing and show of strength that so many, I mean, 1.8 million followers represented by 24 accounts. It's huge. And it was posted by many, many accounts, both ours and other um, like-minded accounts. And the network has not commented, shared, liked a single post, which is just to me, a really disappointing move. It's a very easy opportunity for them to say, like, we support you. It is not in any way a critique of the network. It's our, it's, you know, like the Bravo community is a community that was started by and is run by fans. And so we're there for the network when it comes to um, talking about shows, all of these pods. And it's like all of the attention that we give to Bravo is sort of, the pulse of Bravo and and the conversation of Bravo. It's unfortunate that they haven't supported this or participated in it or frankly acknowledged it. Um, And I encourage Bravo to, um, you know, support it as well. Um, Damien's raising his hand. (laughs) Glasses in session. If you know, I I think that um, worth maybe noting that like it came out on a Saturday, and a person who probably runs a lot of the Bravo social accounts is probably a very junior level person who can't make those decisions without talking to people because like even liking something like that and I know this only from my experiences working at VH1 is just like right. liking something that like that when you have however many followers the Bravo accounts have mm-hmm. make is does say something so they know that and they can't sort of just do that if they know that it means that so, like people are going to pay attention to that and then right. so they need to check they have, and then that, and that unfortunately can Take so time. long to get up to the people that have to make that decision that by the time they do anything, maybe it will just be shown in action. And I know that maybe isn't what you want to hear, but I don't think it's 100% means that they're not listening, as proven by the last petition. 
Totally. And the show of action that we are looking for, I think that's a great point. And the show of action that we're looking for from the network is um, for them to in some way acknowledge the work that we're doing and the commitment that we've made. And luckily for us, it went out on a Saturday, but it's not the only day we're talking about it. And so this inspires me to make sure that Monday morning I'm continuing to tag Bravo in posts and asking Bravo holics to do the same. And I would encourage all of you guys to do the same Monday morning when people are back at work from their living rooms and bedrooms and couches and whatever else. Um, because this is frankly super important and this is not, as you've seen by the work that we're trying to do and the work that's going on outside of the Bravo world, it's not going anywhere. So, um, our hope is that when whomever is wherever that they make a decision to, um, not ignore the work that the Bravo community is doing, especially when they pay a lot of attention to how we discuss these shows. So this matters too. Um, some might say it matters more. I would be one of those people saying that. Totally. Um, and just one of the, just one thing I want to say, um, just quickly is that when you look at the, um, info that we've shared online, you know, we put a lot of time into saying what we want to pledge to do and what it means to actually be accountable. And one of those, um, you know, uh, pledges that we're saying is about not collaborating with individuals who behave in a manner that's antithetical to the belief of supporting Black Lives Matter and, you know, Black Bravoholics talent, members of production and fans, and also holding people accountable when they do not abide by this. And listen, um, the pledge has been out for less than 24 hours. And I think that it would be a good opportunity for me to use uh, Andy's girls. I'm so appreciative to all the people who listen and, you know, follow the show. And um, it would be uh, hypocritical of me not to address any instances of white privilege or um, just like really unfortunate behavior on behalf of other Bravoholics. And um, so I'm going to do that now. I was a guest on What Else is Going On, which is a brand new podcast created by a black Bravoholic who also happens to be herself an OG of the AG. Shout out to Taria. And so it's a brand new podcast. And I was so excited to be on to amplify her voice. She has a lot of really amazing things to say. And P.S. I highly encourage that you guys listen. And I'm going to link to to the episode I was on in the show notes for this episode. And during that episode, Taria um, brought up something that she had heard on a Bravo podcast that I had not. And what she discussed was the fact that um, on an episode of Not Skinny But Not Fat, um, Amanda Hirsch, who herself has been on Andy's Girls, had a great conversation with her, uh, invited on her show Heather McDonald. And they had an interesting conversation about the... Um, Black Lives Matter movement. So Taria brought this up during our interview, my interview on her pod. I had absolutely no idea what she was <laughs> talking about. I unfortunately missed that episode with Heather. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, and also, as you guys know, I don't listen to Bravo Pods because I don't want it to influence what I'm saying to you. It's a sacrifice that I make. Am I calling myself Jesus Christ? No. Am I not not intimating that? That's up to you to decide. Um, so she mentioned some comments uh Taria mentioned some comments that 
Amanda and Heather made critiquing the Black Lives Matter movement and the um, idea of um, making sure that shows are diverse and the fact that there should be consequences if someone is explicitly racist, because uh, we're not quite ready yet for implicit racism. But um, so anyway, so she is talking about this on the pod and I had absolutely no idea. And I was like, what happened? Because I'm thinking I had this great conversation with um, uh, Amanda when she was on AG and she was like so funny and uh, it was great. And I was surprised. I was maybe less surprised about Heather and said as much to her during the podcast that like, okay, you know, I, I don't know anything about this, but um, it's surprising to me, uh, you know, I guess essentially more to come. And then because Taria is a motherfucking genius, she ended up in the posted episode, including some of the audio from this conversation between Amanda and Heather. And I listened to it. And I got to tell you guys, I was like very horrified and very upset. And um. So I just have to say to Taria, I'm so sorry that I hadn't heard about it. I'm so sorry that uh, she had to experience this. She actually couldn't get through the rest of that episode. She had to stop listening to Not Skinny But Not Fat because, uh, not to speak for her, but because it was uh, something that she referenced on her actual pod because it was so upsetting to listen to. Yeah, what's up? No, I I also, I listened to the episode, um, the Taria episode, and I really liked her episode but she, you know, yeah. she includes a clip to the conversation between Heather and the person I can't remember the name um, Amanda. and it's I'm just co-signing that it's like not nah, it's really bad and also that Heather is acting like she's like Nielsen she's like I look at the numbers and like these numbers aren't good for these shows that are about like social good and it's like she's just minimizing the movement and like it's just sad to me that she has such a platform and that like just don't say anything just don't say anything. Yeah, it's like a really great example of white privilege to not even like think to yourself after was that to think to yourself that your opinion making fun of people who are very angry and upset about not feeling represented on Bravo or feeling like there are racist people on the cast who on various casts who you know, are cutting a Bravo or cashing a Bravo check to take that and turn that into a, oh, well, these. Uh, you know, not a lot of people are going to watch anything that's quote unquote social justice related. And at one point, Heather's like, um, you know, if it was Nini and Kenya arguing about their about, hair, like their weave. Yeah, well, like, she said weave, which right? Which is which incredibly is, which is, which is triggering. Yeah, which is a particular word choice that is. It's a microaggression. Yeah, it's a microaggression, as was Heather bringing up third world countries in some of her commenting about this. And Amanda essentially leading the way in saying and um, really making fun of that petition that we discussed a couple minutes ago, um, really encouraging and frankly demanding that the network uh, be accountable on its largest platform, which is a TV network, which to me was so surprising because Amanda and I DM'd several times. She shared the petition. She reached out to me after, excuse me, Bravo announced Black Lives Matter programming on its network and said, this is so amazing, like Mazel Tov, essentially, good for you. So I felt a little bit of whitlash when I was watching this episode because 
Amanda was like helping lead the idea that this was a joke. How dare people ask the network to do better? Um, people weren't even watching the live, which PS is like the whole point of it. What we were saying was an Instagram live has notoriously low listener count. So it yeah, and I don't the network. It was just and awful. she wasn't even yeah. yeah, it wasn't even like they weren't even they were like talking about different things. Like she was talking about the epi- the watch what happens lives and talking about ratings, which has nothing to do with Instagram lives. Like they were just talking about and if you're looking for a nuanced conversation about where the line is with like holding people accountable and like their ethics and how reality TV people are like garbage and how do you you know expect good things from people that are being rewarded for bad behavior like I feel like you and Rafi D'Angelo had a conversation at some point this summer about that very thing where he as a black queer person was sort of like where is the line and like I don't expect good people on television on Bravo like that's not what this is and I thought you guys had a great dialogue about it that is what I would recommend rather than listening to two rather than listening to Heather Thompson talk Heather Thompson what's her name Heather McDonald Heather McDonald wow yeah so just like I think that the conversation um it's it is a conversation but I don't think it needed to be with Heather McDonald and I think it was really disappointing and unfortunate and also racist yeah and I agree with you on all of those points and here's the other thing that I would say if you are a white person if you're Amanda listening to this if you're anybody else when someone gives you a critique whether it's coming from a black listener a white fellow Bravoholic whomever like take a moment to take it in because you are just showing your privilege when you react in a way that's like mocking those critiques it just kind of shows I would say the best, the worst parts of you. And so I sent Amanda, as soon as I listened to that um, audio, thanks to Taria, I sent Amanda a letter um, last week, several days ago, um, just kind of laying out and educating her about all of the various ways that that conversation was inappropriate. And I'm just going to reference it in part when I said Black Lives Matter isn't a popularity contest and ultimately it's not about the ratings. These conversations should be discussed on TV because they matter and because we all need to do better, not because of viewership counts. This is what so many of us signed on to say. This is what it means to amplify black voices. That's what I thought you agreed with by sharing and supporting the petition until I heard this ep. I'm embarrassed that during an interview I gave the benefit of the doubt in saying like, oh, Amanda, she was so, mm." Uh, the bed of the doubt to a conversation that was exactly what this host, a black woman, recalled. That was a mistake on my part. And I encourage you to address this on a future episode of Not Skinny But Not Fat for both the black and non-black listeners. You have an enormous and dedicated audience. And unlike the small numbers of any one Instagram live, a lot of people are listening, including many who are asking folks to do better. I hope you choose to hear them. Um, She did not respond in any way, uh, not in acknowledgement or anything else. I guess she should grow up to be a network executive at some point. Um... I hope that she does respond. I hope that she hears critique and can get better because it's one thing to say um, Black Lives Matter and to share a pretty meme and to do that. I think that's lovely. It's another thing to actually put on put in the work. And part of the work is being responsible and accountable. I've done it on Andy's Girls when I fuck up, when I say something that comes from a place of white privilege or is uneducated or acts as a microaggression. Guess what I fucking do? I listen to people and I own my mistakes and I promise to do better. And if you are not willing to do that, then I think that tells you an awful lot about that person and how they're 
willing to use their platform and the privilege that comes with it. And I would just encourage you guys that when you're making decisions about which accounts you're following, which pods to listen to, you actually really start to think and reckon with the idea of these podcast hosts being people as well. And, you know, what are they going to do about it at the end of the day? And all I can say is that I'm a proud Jewish woman and I was raised in my temple when I was a young kid that um, being responsible to myself and fucking atoning matters. So Amanda, consider this Yom Kippur. Like, what else can I say? That's all. That's all there is. Would love for her to do better. Am I thinking that's going to happen? Probably not. Is it still my responsibility to call it out? Absolutely. And anything else, Damien? I told you I would do this for a minute. Damien, I just need to talk about something right quick. But that's kind of where we are. That's where we are. This is all just happening. It's top of mind. I'm thinking about these wonderful black women who we need to celebrate on Potomac tonight. And I'm thinking about my responsibility and the platform that I have. And it would just really honestly, guys, be really hypocritical and really disingenuous for me to be a part of this Bravo movement and not use my um, power uh, platform responsibly is all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. Holla. Holla. (laughs) Shout out to Heather Thompson. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Come back to New York. We need you. Um. Damien, can we have a conversation? Yeah, let's talk. What do you want to talk about? We need to talk about Beverly Hills. Oh, my God. I have so many thoughts. I actually had to get up in the middle of this to get my phone because I had written, like, three random, like, stray thoughts. This is the second time that you have discussed writing stuff down in anticipation of recording Andy's Girls. Which is not my normal. It is not your normal. Is today going to be the Andy's Girls PSAT? Have you (laughs) studied? Should I be quizzing you? I think that I started to read in your comments how people seem to have a lot of anxiety about us recording together and how the conflict, like us butting heads or like raising our voices, like makes people feel some people seem to like it, but and they usually follow me and that's like and then some people don't. And I feel like that's freeze pointed. (laughs) Guys, we love each other. Um, We love each other. And it's good that we have opposing opinions. That's just one thing I want to say, like, I don't want to have people on the pod to just be an echo chamber. I would rather that you and I disagree about stuff because how else can a conversation be had? But I just trying to, like, write my thoughts down more so that I'm a little bit more. Oh, my God. So I'm a little more prepared to be like, oh, I remember this is a thought I had. But we talked a little bit about um, Beverly Hills because I didn't realize we didn't know we were going to record this weekend. And so I feel like I said some stuff to you um, in like a voice memo um, about (laughs) it because I feel really like this particular past week at the dinner table was for me that was like. You know us. We love to talk about the like the BTS of it all. And I feel mm-hmm. like, first of all, Dorit suddenly is like my favorite housewife on Beverly Hills. The way Co-sign. she like is not being like team Denise, but the way that she is being an ally and a real human being to Denise in a way that like I feel like Rinna and Teddy and Kyle seem really shut down from like I don't know, like whether you have a real relationship with this woman or not, she's your coworker, so you have mm-hmm. a relationship. And they seem so like the way Teddy was like, it's really bad, but I gotta say it. And I was like, okay, like it's really bad about her, but the way she, it all was so wild. I loved hearing all of the BTS. Like all of that stuff normally would have been cut out, what I assume. And the way like Dorit put her hands over her mouth and was like, I like when Denise was like, this can't be on camera. And D- Dorit was like, honey, I know, but you need to take a minute and then say something. And I was like, you yeah. realize like that's what they do. Like when they are caught off guard and maybe we don't see it and then we get to see them beat throw a one-liner. Maybe that's like, because they're like, <gasps> 
listen to what I'm going to tell you. And like, they're so ready to like, like they, because mm-hmm. they're like, well, it's out there. And obviously Denise, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I feel really complicated. I don't feel really firmly like team. I don't feel like t- team Denise in a way of like incorrect behavior, but I feel empathetic towards Denise because of the way the other women are behaving. Like, I feel like Denise it seems like there's some truth to the rumor. And so Denise made a decision to be intimate with somebody who has a reputation for being on the show. And that feels like that is on her, but there is something that feels really, I don't know if it's malicious, but there's something really like they seem really intent on breaking down whatever facade they think that Denise is putting on and sort of at whatever cost, you know? I don't know. I'm sort of just rambling here. I feel like I'm trying to find my footing, and you are, I feel like, sucking it up but not say, making a facial expression. Well, I think we have to take it so hard because, for me, the idea of some sort of affair or whatever else is so wrapped up in the idea, like the conversation about consent, that Brandy came on the show specifically to on-camera disclose what happened and the way that she discuss their interaction was so cloaked in um language that uh i think the majority of people watching felt indicated that she was not giving she did not give consent in whatever sexual encounter took place so it's really hard for me to then watch teddy announce at a table essentially like no fact because that's not actually what brandy was saying like she said like yes we did everything but the way that she was talking about the conversation made it so much more important to not um like manipulate or or um heighten just for the drama of tv because i think it's actually so much more nuanced and if Teddy had and Kyle had both been listening to Brandy I think that maybe they would have picked up the idea that this is maybe not appropriate to use in a dinner conversation to make this into like the opera of Beverly Hills Um, but a lot of it just made me really uncomfortable it was I heard from people as you know I don't watch um 99% of Bravo programming live I watch it the next day it's like part of my process I like wake up make myself some tea and watch in the morning and um I heard from people that I was gonna they were essentially saying like trigger warning you're gonna lose your mind in the last 10 minutes of the episode and I was um uh talking with some Bravoholic friends while I was watching and I was like I okay I feel weird <laughs> and it was like the the minute by minute countdown of like watching the app I'm like I'm 20 minutes in and like something's happening and then I'm 15 minutes in and then I was like I'm 10 minutes in and I'm hot and then watching the rest of the episode play out, I just felt really gross. I felt like um, Lisa Rinna and Kyle and Teddy are all just like, I can't, I always say this, like horrible people. But the way that they were manipulating this in order to sort of seek revenge against Denise was... For what also? Um, like, because they're mad, they're, they're mad that she's trying to put on project a certain type of person but I would argue that that's what all housewives not all but that's what a lot of housewives are doing and that is like it eventually will crack you know what I mean but they're just like trying so hard to make to hold her to some like this isn't who you are and now you're so worried about your image and I feel like production is giving us a pretty balanced version of that because I think we are seeing some of those things of Denise of like strange Mm -hmm. behaviors that seem Mm -hmm. not 
the same as they were previous season. Mm-hmm. But we saw however much footage from however much footage they filmed last season. Obviously, that is not her as a complete person. And so, like, it seems strange to me that they, like, allowed Lisa Rinna to break the fourth wall to say, like, Denise is concerned about her image. And it's like, so is Ramona. So is Lu- So was Luann. So was Bethany about her brand. So was Jill Zarin. So is, like, so is Kyle. You know what I mean? Like, everybody, like, that's part of all of these women is, like, they all want to be famous, beautiful, and rich. And so, and that's what they want to give off. And then, obviously, there's always a person who comes on who's not that. But, like, it seems weird to me that they're so... Like Lisa, Lisa Vanderpump, it made sense because of the arc of all of the seasons where she, to the audience, forward facing, seemed like she was never in the mix. And then when we started to see the, you know, the, the unraveling of like maybe behind the scenes stuff. And it was like, well, of course, Lisa Vanderpump was behind so much drama and she's never been held accountable and she's never actually apologized. This feels so unprovoked. Like nobody had beef with Denise and they're mad about her not wanting her kids to be around. And I'm like, I don't, yeah, you can think that's weird, but it seems like a weird thing to harp on. Yeah. I think if you're going to talk about being mad at Denise and like the Mm -hmm. idea of breaking the fourth wall, I think a true breaking of the fourth wall with them saying, be saying out loud, like, we don't feel like you're putting in as much work as we are. We don't feel like you're participating in like the mudslinging, whatever else that you won't even answer us. And I'm not saying I agree with them, but I think that's their perspective. And also the rumors that she negotiated the largest financial contract of any housewife. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that came out a long time ago, but has resurfaced online in the last week. You said of all time or of Beverly Hills? I think of Beverly Hills, it was like, I don't know about of all time. I think the women on like Atlanta, for example, are making a shit ton of money, deservedly so. But I, th- what I had read in whatever tabloid, whatever, was like $4 million with a um, minimum of X number of seasons, which was certainly more than two. Um, if we're thinking about whether or not Denise is going to come back, which is a huge question mark, but a big focus on probably not. Um I don't think that they're being honest about why they're talking about this. And I think if we're going to talk about breaking the fourth wall, um, let's like split it wide open. The problem is that the people that would be interested in doing that work happen to be doing the work of trying to bury Denise. The fact that Teddy brought that up in the van on the way to the hotel, like let's pretend Lisa Rinna didn't know, which okay. Um, Rinna's excuse for gleefully watching this take place and not at one point using her voice to defend um, defend Denise is so interesting when you think about the fact that Teddy is saying, oh, I'm telling you this because you're friends with Denise. I'm not telling you this because in any way I want your help participating in this or um, I want you to be complicit with me. I'm telling you this because I actually want you to help protect Denise whether it's from me or whatever else and the fact that Rinna attempts to sort of gaslight I'm gonna say the viewers by saying well listen I learned my lesson from Munchausen so I'm not gonna say anything to anybody regardless of a friendship I'm just gonna watch this play out and number one we all see that you and Denise aren't getting along that's abundantly clear Rinna has been acting in a very passive aggressive to like aggressive times a thousand way and number two the problem with Munchausen was that Rinna talked about it behind Yolanda's back and didn't take her aside and have a conversation with it before Rinna decided it was going to be plot on the show she's she's not only not learning from Munchausen she's doing Munchausen 
times 10. She's saying, I am not going to talk to this person and let them know that this is what's being recorded on TV because I care about them, because I want to actually know the truth or anything else. Rinna's saying, oh my God, this is so great for us. This is going to be our plot and strategy and let's just watch it play out. Her face during that <clears throat> dinner, she was dead ass silent with like an internal smirk. She was behaving like a piece of shit. She had no interest in defending Denise. Dorit was doing the work that Teddy pretended to think um, Rinna herself would do and I just feel like it showed so much of a lot of their true character I think if not I'm not defending Lisa Rinna however Teddy and Kyle brought that stuff up on camera I actually don't think Lisa Rinna knew because at a certain point you can't everyone can't know something and then act on camera like they okay so I think that Kyle knew some of what was coming whether she knew yes. the whole story or whether she knew from Kim that Brandy had a story or what Kim 100% said to her, I'm coming over. I'm going to film with you. Brandy's going to be in the car. Maybe. I don't know if they knew about anything else, but 100% totally. that was not a surprise. Because somebody said to me, like, how is Brandy um, mic'd? And I was like, well, either she knew she was going to film and they were ready, or she was with Kim and they were like, do you want to film? And they mic'd her while Kim was pretending like she was asked going to get Aunt Brandy. So right. I think that it was Teddy and Kyle not wanting to be involved, but wanting to this information to be able to be a part of the story by involving Lisa Rinna. Like they could have kept that to themselves and brought it up to Denise privately or one on Teddy could have brought it up one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but Teddy clearly wasn't going to be able to, like Teddy was having a lot of trouble doing it. And like, I am, it's such a strange, like she's such a new archetype of a housewife in that like her thing is that like, she's awkward. Like she like holds the people accountable, but like her thing is like, I'm really awkward guys, but I hold people accountable. And it's like such a strange archetype that I don't think is needed. And I felt like it was unfair to expect like Lisa Rinna to be like, I heard this from Brandy. Now you tell Denise because she's your friend. And so I think that when it comes to that, something like that, which is so personal and does involve her marriage and her family, that like I, if I was somebody's like friend-ish, I wouldn't want to do that on camera, no matter if I had presented myself as being their close friend on the show. Now, would I have tried to be a Dorit and been like, Denise, you need to say something, you need to speak up, you need to defend yourself. You need to talk to Brandy. And and actually, Lisa Rinna did say, I, Denise, I think you need to talk to Brandy. She just said it as they were, like, leaving dinner. And I think maybe that was kinder rather than sort of, like, roasting her at the table and being like, Denise, talk to Brandy. She waited and pulled her aside. So I just feel like there was a lot of going on there. And I think that people probably were trying to reserve what they were saying in some ways because they didn't know how it would be edited. So I think that that was why Denise Dorit covered her mouth. And I was like, Dorit, you're mic'd. But like, I felt like it was all this weird stuff of them being like, how can they use any of this? But they're definitely going to use it because this is a story now that Teddy brought to the table, but it's all about, it's all behind the scenes. It's all like Denise is saying like, this isn't about the show. And they're like, girl, it's already on the show. So I think that, I don't know. I think Lisa Rinna is not great, but I also think that, I really think the weight is on Teddy and and I think actually Kyle, who I think really put up her friend Teddy to something. Truly. Um, it's already on the show. They don't actually know. They know that it's being filmed, but they don't know it's going to be on the show. Dorit was hounded by um, You're right. someone You're right. calling out her financial improprieties while they were filming on camera. Rinna helped 
her walk out of that place as production did. They did not reference it once on the show. Adrian was told that um, uh, or, or Brandy brought up during filming that Adrian allegedly or rumor has it Adrian used a surrogate. They never actually used using a surrogate. They made the I can't believe you said that as a part of the um, as a part of the show season, but they didn't actually divulge that divulge that information um, on Orange County. Heather Dubrow apparently knew that uh, there was some sort of affair happening with David Bodor. Heather, du Heather Dubrow knew enough to not even mention it on camera because she thought it was inappropriate for the purposes of the show. And even when she was feuding with Shannon, she herself wouldn't go so low and so far to use this as some sort of way to seek revenge during production and during filming. And I don't know. I think it, I just, I think it's so gross. I don't know. I, I have I two think things. So <clears throat> yeah. One, I think that in light of all the criticism that Beverly Hills received last season, the women were giving a talking to, which was like, hey, people are over you guys just being women with money and we need to see more. And like Dorit, we need to talk about how you have money. And Erica, we mm -hmm. need to see your husband and what your real life is like. We don't want to see your glam squad. That's not you being a real housewife. That's you being a pop star as, as funded and made popular by this show. Like we need to see your lives. So if that's the understanding going into the season, and if Denise signed a huge figure deal to be the, a star of this show I think that maybe they all had an understanding that like this was like real life we needed to, we weren't allowed to edit the way Vicky said like you don't have to show everything remember she said that like two years ago and then she got fired like I feel like there <laughs> there is an understanding that when these women become too comfortable and think that they can cherry pick what parts of their lives they show that the show is like is way too produced and not as fun because they are like suddenly being like gay dolls for like they're being like dolls for gay men like they're being action figures of like glam and catchphrases but not anything real and all of the like our, our drama is sort of um it's just like it's all created and yeah so that's point one and I think like the legal stuff is hard because I brought this up to you before when you've been like Dorit needs to talk about her money and I'm like okay but then like why not Kyle talking about all of Mauricio's lawsuits? And you were like, well, some of these are like, you know, like people, the validity of these. Is because, and, it's, and I think that I actually thought that was eye opening, which is when people are on television, so many people probably show up in their DMs and are like, mm -hmm. Mauricio is fucking this person. Mauricio sold me a bad house. There was a bad deal. And now he's not returning my calls. Um, Erica Jane's husband, Tom Girardi did this. And like, so I think that they're, they probably get a lot. And so, I believe that Kyle and Teddy had to believe something that for some reason that this was true and that Brandy wasn't a hundred percent acting and making this up, whether it was, she was being hyperbolic, stretching the truth, you know, making it bigger than it was perhaps. But I think that they knew that there was some truth to this. And I think that if Denise fucked somebody from who's in this universe, especially like if, if Brandy fucked a husband, I think that it would be, people would have a lot easier time processing. Like if a woman showed up who was the mistress of a husband, people would say like, she needs to talk about her. People screamed that Ramona needed to address the fucking fact that her husband and her were like going through a problem until she finally did. And I feel like there is a weird standard here where people, and I think it's partly because of the Brandy factor. And I think it's partly because like Denise is buckling under it. 
is like, because we've seen women deal with like um, infidelity allegations in the past. So I feel like there's some version of this that like people are not into it. And I'm like, is it because it's two women? Is it because it's Brandy Glanville? Because there is a thing there. I mean, Shannon Bedore's whole storyline for like four seasons was the affair that her husband had. So I am, I'm, and I'm not, so I'm like, while I don't agree with the approach, I'm, I'm truly asking myself, like, was it inappropriate? Should it not have happened? Is it below the belt? Um, don't you think that there's an element of queer shaming in all of this and the homophobia of it all? Like the glee and the shock in and what the way? whatever. In the way, I, I mean, I've just been hearing this from a lot of um, viewers who are gay and people who just felt uncomfortable with the way that this is being addressed because they do feel like there's an element of shaming around this. I don't know. No, I can't think of an example that where they have said something that I don't think it's what they have said specifically of like you fucked a woman. I don't think that's it. I think that the way that they're present presenting this is that there is some sort of glee in discussing that where there's an area or there's an element of like othering that's taking place with Denise of like oh you did this oh this is a part of like the um questions that you've or the conversations you've brought about 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 sexuality before and like this is what you're doing now and no wonder you don't want to talk about this on camera which is the fact that but Denise has I have but, relations with a lady but Denise I don't Agree. I don't, that is not what I think at all. Honestly, like the people talking about that and like talking about, I don't know. I think it's really like, I've seen more people on social media making me feel that it's like weirdly, like there's homophobic, homophobia behind it opposed to like, um, I mean, full disclosure, a couple weeks ago we recorded and you said something like, I'll have to have you back sometime when Brandy scissors Denise or whatever's like happening. And I kind of felt like that felt that was that to me is like that is not the vibe I'm getting from the women, but that is like the general vibe on social media is that like people kind of shaming Dip Brandy for bringing it up on camera and how she's gross and how like she's just doing this for a paycheck. And I just feel like I don't know. I'm not like team Brandy, but I don't feel like the women are queer shaming Denise and I'm a queer person. I 100% feel that. But wait, did you feel like when I said that 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 was inappropriate Ye- or it made you uncomfortable? A little bit. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I shouldn't have said it. No, I mean, I just think, like, reducing two women to having sex and being, like, when Brandy scissors Denise is coded way of being, like, it's not sex or that it's something other because it's, like, you wouldn't say that if, like, we talked about a man and a woman having sex. And but I th- that's exactly what I'm saying, that that's what they're doing. That's the, that's the, that is what I am feeling, albeit I'm saying that as someone who's not a member of the LGBT community, but that's, that's the sense that I'm getting that a lot of people are getting, that there is an element there of like the shaming of it all. I'm telling you as a queer person, I don't think they are shaming her. I feel like it is about, I don't think it's a shaming experience. Like I, I or that's not like what I feel as a queer person. Okay. And I, so I feel like, yeah. And so like, Using language like scissoring is being like that, though. So it because it's reducing like this otherworldly sexness about what their relationship was. I totally agree with you, which is why I think that the way that Lisa Rinna has run with the idea of quote unquote scissoring by using that uh, posting pictures of um, the Scissor Sisters and a Wikipedia page of Scissors and saying 
And I didn't know she he, did that, but I had heard about it. She did it several times. I called her out several times on social. The fact that she was saying Brandy and Denise should be in a spinoff. What should it be called? The Scissor Sisters. And then when people started immediately saying that's homophobic, what you're saying, she said, um, you guys want me to be funny. And she even posted something yesterday that I took a screenshot of because she has a habit of um, posting things and then pretending that they don't happen because she knows that people are going to start a dialogue, which was remember the year I was the nicest fucking Lisa yeah, Rinna. Yeah, yeah. You were also bored with me. I mean, she said a lot of uh, disgusting, inappropriate things. And frankly, I shouldn't have said, uh, I shouldn't have made that s- quick snide remark because it's hypocritical since I myself was so offended when Lisa went on a tangent about it. So it's kind of showing, I think it's kind of showing, I'm seeing that as a representative, re- representing the way that Rinna is behaving and responding to this on camera. Here's the thing. Two things, yeah. two things can be true. So thank you for your apology. Yeah. It is totally not necessary, but um, thank you for it. But in regards to like the scissoring and me, and I don't think that they are queer shaming, at least yet. That is not what I think has been presented yet, at least on the show. But maybe at least it sounds like on social media. Denise fucked somebody who also happens to be in the Bravo universe, allegedly. Why should she not be held accountable for that? Is it because she is bisexual? Who's the she? Denise. Denise? Why should Denise not have to talk about that when, again, Shannon Bedore and Ramona and other people have had to talk about their partners cheating on them or infidelities coming to the show? I mean, I I can't remember off the top of my head, but hasn't like a mistress or someone been in the house before, like in the, like at a party and stuff? Like, I just don't think that that the standard of like erasing it to me also feels strange it feels like it's naughty and dirty that denise fucked a woman and therefore because she thinks it would be bad for her image she doesn't want to talk about it on the show and i hear you that maybe you feel and others feel like the women are bringing it to the show because they feel like it's a aha gotcha but to me it also feels weird that again denise wouldn't have to talk about this thing i do think there's a weird mean-spirited element to it that and also did fucking teddy shouldn't have been the person to deliver it but I just don't I don't know why it should be off the table if if heterosexual women had to ha- have had to deal with that sort of stuff on the show. I totally hear you. And I think we need to separate why did Teddy do this, which was 100 percent to enact in my I in my eyes to enact revenge against Denise. She did not have any kind of good motive as far as like I'm giving you the heads up. She did it in a group setting to make it the largest fucking uh, experience it could be. And Kyle was extremely silent for a reason because she wanted a la LVP. She wanted her number Sad two to, to be me. the one to deliver it. And then in a very manufactured way, attempted to um play the part of uh, defending Denise by cutting off Dorit and being like, well, Denise must be upset. Like, bitch, you don't think, you don't believe that for a single second that you give a shit about how Denise is going to feel. Otherwise, you would have told your executive assistant to shut the fuck up when she started to have the conversation instead of plotting with her before they started shooting. But can I do one thing, which is I texted um, His Holiness President of the Real Housewives Institute, Brian James Moylan, before we started recording, because I read his recap this week, this morning, and I it's just, it's it's like must read. Everything he writes is must read, but um, it is very, very well said, um, as, you know, again, everything that he says. Um, but I just want to read one part of it, if I can. Um, 
when we got to the preview of what would happen this season, including this dinner, it made Denise seem like she was acting unresponsibly. Like the women in the show wanted to talk about something that was totally fair game, that was totally on the table. That is not the case. This scene left me not feeling bad for the women for being put upon by Denise, but feeling bad for Denise for being taken advantage of by the show and its producers. For the first time, perhaps in my whole life, I felt bad for watching. I think it comes down to a question of what we would consider off limits. Let's take Taylor Armstrong being abused by her husband. This is something she told all of the other women in confidence and told them not to talk about on camera. However, she is a person who signed up to be on a reality show, which means sharing what is going on in her life and what she talks about with the other women, regardless of what it might be. When the fact of the abuse started affecting the storylines of the show, it needed to come out, so it made sense to the viewer. That is the price of admission to this circus and all the bonus peanuts you get for being a part of it. I think that is totally fair game. However... What happened between Denise and someone who is not even on the show shouldn't come into play. Her storyline, as mundane as it is, thank you, was humming along without this being thrown into the mix. In fact, it has nothing to do at all with anything else we've seen this season. All of these women deserve to keep some things private. If it happens within the context of the group, they need to address that. If there is strife between members of the group, for whatever reason, that is on the table. Denise may be having an affair and maybe shit talking about the housewives with someone who is not who not only isn't a part of the group, but has an ulterior motive for trying to get back on the show, doesn't pass the smell test for me. After the news dropped, we were all Garcelle, who said, if she slept with her, she doesn't have to tell these ladies. It's none of their business. I want to get to the bottom of it, though. There is prurient interest, but not an essential one. And I'm almost done. Teddy says in a confessional, Denise is so concerned with her image when she doesn't want to talk about something. She says, bravo, 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 so she can get the edit she wants. I can see how it's frustrating for Teddy, Kyle, and the rest that Denise doesn't want to fully open up her life to the cameras in the way that they do. It's a similar frustration to Dorinda, what Dorinda had with Tinsley on this season of New York. They feel like they're giving their all and this other person is skating by and reaping more of the benefits by being a fan favorite and staying above the fray. With everything that's happened with Denise so far, Teddy is right. All the stuff about three stums, Aaron, all the things that were said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, that were said at parties she walked out of were within bounds, and Denise should have had to stay and address those things. This, however, was different. What makes it different is how it ended up on camera in the first place, which I want to know more about. And then Brian goes into a lot of valid, interesting to me questions about production's role in this, what they knew. And the fact that he thinks that this story that came out is actually backfiring in real time. So I highly encourage you guys. I know that many of you are reading his um, recaps, which are essentially Housewife Bible on Vulture. And I'd highly encourage you to read specifically this week's piece. Sorry, Damien. I just had to. I feel like Brian sometimes encapsulates things in a way that like I don't know how to phrase it best. And I felt like. For me personally, I, I I really agree with what he was saying. I mean, I think that it's oh, those are great points, and I 
think that it is this weird gray area of like she signed up for a reality show. Mm-hmm. This is something that she allegedly participated in. And so therefore mm-hmm. it should be fair game. But I agree that like the approach and the way that it came out all felt like weirdly like like I don't know it didn't feel malicious but it just was like so mishandled and Mm -hmm. felt like if it was handled maybe with more care opposed to like I gotta blurt this out at the dinner table when we're on our vacation I feel like maybe it would have maybe it would have landed better I don't know but I also don't know I feel like there is so much going on in the inner workings and I know that I'm not sure how many of your listeners watch Basketball Wives but several years ago there was an episode where there was like a, the crew had shut down and there was an argument about where Drea, where they basically the same thing where, oh, yeah, yeah, where okay, the, yeah, yeah. where the women argued about like whose storylines and why everyone's storylines like might be boring. And Drea told Brandy like, well, I think your storyline's boring. Like your cancer storyline is boring. Like you need to do more this season. And they got into a big fight about it. And then a producer, I think, filmed it because they had already shut down. But a producer right. filmed it on their iPhone. Drea never thought that that would be on the show. But Brandy was so like, I'm over her and don't want her around me. So Bre- Drea like showed up to a cancer fundraiser and was like, hey. And Brandy was like, don't come here and pretend like you give a fuck about this benefit. You literally just told me yesterday or like the day before that my cancer was my cancer storyline, quote unquote, was boring. And and Dre was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Brandy was like, you think they're not going to use it like you think you're not going to use it. And I feel like there's maybe some of that happening where because then, then Dre quits the show. So I feel like there's something similar. I actually didn't make this comparison until just now in real time. Something similar that happened here, maybe in that. Denise was doing whatever this season that was making the women feel away, and then this came out, and she stopped filming because she was like, that's it. I'm suing Bravo. I'm putting a gag order. I'm not showing up to filming anymore. And I assume that they were able to coax her into coming back because she had a Zoom confessional this week, and also Mm -hmm. um, she was at the reunion. But I feel like maybe they needed to include it in order to craft the story, and after maybe some like a lot of conversations with the network and – the production company, they all came to some sort of agreement whether Denise liked it or not. So I feel like, I don't know, I'm not, and again, I don't feel like I'm team Denise. No, I do feel team Denise, but I don't feel like, I'm not sure that I feel like it was incorrect for this to be on the show because I feel like it is, I do think that Brandy element adds this other thing to it where it's like, of course, it's this fucking Brandy. It's like, that's literally like, that's like somebody, that's like Gina having an affair this season with Vicky. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's like if they were on OC and it was Gina was like, I'm having, I, like someone was like, Gina, I heard you have a new girlfriend and it's Vicky Gunvalson. And it's like, of course, and now it's like this person that's like notorious within this group and also has a interest in being on television, being relevant and, and maybe wants money, needs money. Um... So I feel like that is part of this. But this week didn't feel anything like we talked about offline that the episode didn't really even feel like about Denise or Brandy. It really felt more about the way the other women, Erica Jane was silent. Garcelle was cool, but mm-hmm. um, sort of like seemed confused. I actually loved watching Garcelle and mostly Sutton because clearly they were like, oh my God, this is how this works. And when... Sutton was like, Teddy, why are you bringing this up? Is it because she said stuff about you? Like, why are you bringing up the sex part? And then Teddy was yeah. like, uh, what do you mean? This is what it was already on camera. And Sutton was like, okay, don't come, come for me. I know I'm like, because we got all of the like, I know I'm new and I don't know how all of this mm-hmm. works. 
And then Sutton in her confessional was sort of like, I had heard this rumor from like a friend of a friend, and, right. but I never would have brought it up because it's not my All business. Bro. And right. I, and I thought that that was like such a great mic drop, but Sutton didn't bring it up. And then in her confessional, you know what I mean? Like, so it's mm-hmm. like, I feel like that is the, the complicated part is that like whether Kyle brought Kim or Kim brought this to Kyle and they filmed it and then Teddy heard it. It was like, once it was on camera, everyone was like, well, fuck now it's out there. And if, and if they refuse to film, if they, like, it's like kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, is it like, uh, what's her name? Is it like Leanne where they like, didn't think that the stuff, like, should they have behaved in a way where they didn't think any of this was going to be on camera and just like protected Denise? I don't know. I mean, genuinely asking. Did they think that, oh, the network's going to, like, I, I think at this point they don't think the network is going to protect her, but I think prior. I think they're betting on it, which is why when. Um, Brian and his recap is like where is production's role in this that he feels like they're complicit in um, making sure that this was a huge part of the um, the show I mean there's no surprise that this came this was viral and was leaked to all of us when they were still in Milan uh, not Milan when they were still in Rome. Rome Rome and when they got back I mean that's when sort of the groundswell happened because we all found out about this like rumor that was coming out which is well 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 before the um show itself had been um edited and discussed like someone wanted this to be the thing that was talked about so they made sure that it was leaked and I don't know who that was there are a couple names that come to mind um of people in the cast whose names may or may not be Lisa Rinna but and also Brandy herself. I mean, Brandy now says, oh, I don't know how leaks uh, between me and Denise came out, but oh, they're there on the internet this like as much as recently as this week. I, I just it doesn't feel like a Gina Vicky thing to me because I know that was such a weird comparison. I was just thinking well, of somebody who's like notorious like Vicky. No, I hear you. And also like someone who used to be on the show and sometimes makes appearances who still has some sort of role in this world. I, I could see that. But For me, Brandy is someone who's always done the absolute most with a vested interest in cutting a check, whether it's slapping someone on camera or throwing wine in Eileen's face or talking about Adrian's surrogacy. She is always trying to maximize her role because but I think she that's, wants But isn't that also who back. she is? I mean, that's like also who Which Kelly is Dodd exactly, is. You know what I mean? Right. But that's what I'm trying to say is we know who Brandy is. And so for Kyle and Teddy to sit at that table, Kyle, who has had so many years and seasons of extreme complications with Brandy, as I guess Rinna has as well, for them to pretend that Brandy is the vessel that one must always believe when they themselves didn't do the same when they were in the middle of strife with her just felt incredibly um, untrue. And that's where all of this kind of bubbles for me, where again, like as you and I were saying offline, it's not about whether or not something happened between them. It's uh, between Brandy and Denise. It's how and how and why these women are responding to it in the ways that they are. And the fact that 
they're looking to Brandy to be honest about shit she said about them, which P.S. I'm sure she said some shit. Who'd, I think for some for some part of me, I'm thinking about when Denise is so upset about Brandy, I'm thinking, is this her way to respond to the fact that the fandom hates her overwhelmingly and has said far worse things about her than what Denise probably said to somebody offline? Like the fact that Teddy is so horrified about her saying that about Denise saying that she like lives in her father's shadow. It's like, sweetie, if Denise said that, that's not in the top 1000 about things that you have read and responded to on behalf of the fandom. But I just feel like it's not, none of this is like, it's all just kind of manufactured and gross. At the end of the day, it just feels like really dirty. Rinna's pretending to be something she obviously is showing us she's not. Kyle's pretending Teddy is terrible at playing the game, which is so apparent when we see this. And I just felt like I was sitting in those at the table and I just felt like, I don't know, Dorit and Sutton in all of this and, and Garcelle as well. It just, it was not good. It just felt very dirty and gross. Just was not good. It just felt really like, I don't know what another word of evil could be. It felt really manipulated. And if, if Teddy is looking at Denise to be honest about how Denise feels about these women, which Denise 100% is not being honest about, Teddy should be honest about why she's saying these things. She's not saying them to protect Denise. She didn't tell um, Rinna to protect Denise. She's telling Denise to seek revenge. And that's maybe where a part of this, that's maybe where some people are feeling like the weirdness is because it's just being used as a weapon and it just it, this is not the the war I want people to play. I don't know. It, it just felt I just think bad. it's a, I think it's hard to say like where is the line because they did yeah. she signed up for a reality show and like I don't know that I think that I, I here's the thing. I don't know that I agree with the behavior, but I thought the episode was really compelling. So like what is Oh, it's so compelling. You know, like so it, it was great yeah. television, but do I feel for Denise? 100%. Do I think that she's being dishonest with the audience and with the women? 100%. Um, but do I feel for her? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I think that... But I also don't know. Like, I don't know if someone tells you something on camera. I think it is that, like, Teddy was probably being told, like, you have to bring this up. We're going to use it. Like, we need, we can't act like this isn't happening. Like, this is your job. So I also feel it's, like, hard to say, like, that... I, but I also feel like Kyle should have been the one to bring it because once she would have done a better job because I think she would have been because she's less awkward and she also has been in this game for so long that she should have been able to say and also it's quote unquote at in Camille's words her show and she would have been able to be like listen I need to tell you something you know like me and Brandy have a rocky past so I take everything she says with like a little bit of a grain of salt however we've like mended ways and she told me some information and I want to tell you because, like, it's out there now, a.k.a. on camera, and I just feel like you and I have to have this talk. But, like, that didn't happen. It happened with, like, Teddy saying it, being like, you said some bad things about me and about Erica, and she said something really bad about you. And it's like, what? Okay. Now it's like, I think that they really thought it was going to play differently, like, to Ryan's point, uh, Brian's point. Like, I think that they really thought that this story was going to frame Denise as being, like, duplicitous. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that, do I think Denise is being honest? No, but I don't need my housewives to always be like 100% honest. I need them to be, like she's being herself by defending, like she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And to me that reaction is real, opposed to the other women who all seem like they're so invested in trying to like crack whatever Denise has going on. And maybe this, the money thing is really illuminated to me and I wonder if 
they if this is part of it if they're like pissed yeah i mean i watched the watch what happens with garcelle and sutton which was great um but there's a moment where um garcelle is talking about the fact that she unfollowed rena after the reunion and she's like i think she just went way too far and from all that rena has said about the reunion and the fact that she's like a hyena about how upset she was that brandy wasn't going to be present for the reunion and it's like sweetie she's not in the show she's not a friend of she's done the damage she came to do she's came here to do she's come here to do oh my god talking um is fun um I feel like it's just going to be a really rocky ride. I feel like the reunion is going to be super unpleasant. I think it's going to be Rinna at a thousand because she thinks she's like the very best at this. And is like extra is always great. And it just feels like it's going to be tough. I feel like it's going to be two or three episodes of um, this dinner on but on 12 I just think it's gonna be, but like Rinna actually using her voice and she's using it to like bash this woman that she pretended at one point this season um to like and have as a friend like mm-hmm. it just it just feels it just feels gross and I feel like yeah the point that you're making about Teddy why was Teddy the deliverer of the message it would have gone over a lot better for Teddy and Kyle if Kyle had been the one to um give it but Kyle was trained by Lisa Vanderpump and she knows better and this is an example of it. And Teddy's just really fucking bad at this show. And it's just frustrating that the accountability person is the least accountable of what she, why what she did, which she doubles down on on the Housewives after show, why what she said was inappropriate and why people are coming for her now. It's just I just don't it's just it's gross. I just I can't I, I've said it's gross. It's like drinking game alert every time I say it's gross have a drink of water like I just don't it's just, but I do want us to examine the ways in which we think like bringing up a lesbian or bisexual however we want to label this alleged like affair or a counter like why we feel like it's gross to bring up that up and like I think that I want to examine that more about like the shame that Denise maybe feels or that like because I don't see glee in the other women bringing it up I felt Teddy was pained to bring it up so I, again, I know that you've said other people feel like it's queer shaming, maybe, and maybe by Lisa Rinna in her Instagram stories. But to me, I also want to examine, like, why this, like, lesbian affair is, feels gross, opposed to being like, well, she did this. So why Mm -hmm. is it off the table? Because it's like, I don't know. I I also want to be like, if she's bisexual and Brandy's bisexual, then... Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know if, like, she's really open with Aaron or if he knew or if, like, you know, I don't really care about the her being with a woman. And I know that Denise probably does care if that wasn't something she was open about, but I don't know. I feel like I could talk in circles about it because I really, you know, I feel for Denise, but, again, if she signed, like, a $4 million deal to be on a reality show, then, again, why would you, like, we can't, we can't not stress how stupid it is to fuck Brandy Glanville. It is the dumbest. And to tell Brandy anything, that is, there is no excuse for that. You have to understand that that's going to backfire. You have how many seasons? I could give a shit if you don't watch the show. That is insane moronic behavior. That is insane that you don't think she's going to turn on you, which Kyle knows knows is eventually going to happen to her again. Teddy must be aware. They just don't give a shit because their immediate urgent concern, as is Rinna's, is to bury Denise. But everyone should know that Brandy has a vested interest to herself at the end of the day and has absolutely no issue saying whatever the fuck she needs to to get shit done. Like, 
That is insane. And I'm 100% confident that Denise said some fucking shit to Brandy and whatever happened, happened. Like, ugh. Like, the fact, and I'm saying, ugh, by the way, not as a way, not as anybody <laughs> saying anything about, and I'm saying it as a way of, like, why would you ever trust Brandy? Like, I just genuinely feel like that is such a bad it's just so stupid. It's like Ramona but- fucking Jill and then being mad that it comes on the show. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, when you know, when someone who shows you who they are, believe them. Kyle still believes that Brandy's a piece of shit. She's just well, more than happy. I think she does. She's She might have more empathy than she did before, and she might have an understanding before, and she might genuinely sympathize with the fact that I'm sure Brandy is in an incredibly difficult position right now, financially and whatever else, from what she has actually told Yeah, us but publicly. I don't think that Kyle brought Brandy on to help Brandy's financial situation. She helped brought Brandy on to help the story for the show. Which is exactly what I'm saying, that while there is an element there that I'm sure that Kyle feels whatever, at the end of the day, Kyle knows that Brandy will say whatever to get it done, and it just so happens that at this moment in time, Brandy and Kyle are on the same page about what they want to do on camera, which is discuss this thing that they can use as plot. Yeah, I think that Kyle wants Brandy back on the show because she wants to use Brandy the exact same way that Lisa Vanderpump used her, which is to say this person is a great ally and not, and a really like ba- and a bad enemy. So like let me now that they're on my side, I'd love to use them to like facilitate story for myself without having totally to agree. do anything messy. Um, can I pivot so- to something else about Beverly Hills? I know we've been recording for six, six hours. Do. No, pivot. Do a little pee. Gone with the Wind is so long, but now it's canceled. So this is the new Gone with the Wind. It's going to be six hours long. <laughs> what just happened? I don't know. I had like a stroke. <laughs> I felt like you were doing a tagline and I just sat upright because I was unprepared. <laughs> I was just thinking about how long this episode is already. Yeah, this is 100% a double episode. Um, so... Camille came on a couple weeks ago, and you and uh, your guest Dylan Hafer talked about that a bit. Mm-hmm. And I shout wa- out to Dylan. And I wanted to ex- like ask you just like where you think that's going because Camille got confessional, so it wasn't like she was a Brandy or an Adrian oh God, or an Eileen or Kim. Like Kim has been on camera more than Camille, but Kim didn't get a confessional. So I think she did, didn't she? I don't think so. Maybe, oh my but God, I, I totally don't. Thought she did. I really don't think so. Which okay, is okay. Anyway, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So I just want to know, like, what are they setting up for Camille? Is she going to come back once Denise leaves? Like, I assume they have to sort of resolve that since they planted it. But I, like, want to know because I agree that Dylan was basically saying that it was refreshing, even though it felt like the way the episode picked up, it was sort of like you're suddenly at Camille's house and it was like as if we missed something. And then it was like, oh, no. But then he was like, oh, it's kind of refreshing to talk about something that has nothing to do with Denise. And then she showed up to that party and her, like, beef was, like, everybody was an asshole to her, which is, like, I kind of understand that everyone was an asshole to her in some parts, but then also, like, that's the show. Like, you kind of have to make up after the season, especially if someone's, like, coming to be, like, I'm sorry, then you have to sort of be, like, like, when Lisa Renner was, like, you're an asshole, and Camille was, like, okay, never mind. And I was, like, well, (laughs) I kind of, I feel like, I feel like, Lisa Rinna like looked at the audience to be like, is this girl for real? She like apologized, but she's mad that I told her she was an asshole on Twitter. And I was like, well, it is annoying to apologize for someone and them to be like, you're an asshole. Um, that said, where do you think that Camille stuff is going? And like, I've, it has yeah. to resolve itself because they gave her a Zoom confessional. Like they wouldn't have given her a Zoom confessional if it was only going to be like a, like not a storyline. Like they put the episode on. I couldn't know less about it. Haven't thought about it. Completely forgot that I even had that conversation about 
uh, Camille in any way because I've just been flooded with all things like Brandy and Denise. Like I just don't I don't even I don't know how it would work in this context. I assume that if Camille came back, she would be from what she said online acting in great defense of Denise, I want to say from what the from like the stuff she's been tweeting or whatever um but I don't know what uh natural reason there would be for her to be oh I mean it's already totally unnatural I just feel like it already happened so like where does it go from yeah I don't I don't know where I don't know where it could go except that they're maybe trying to like bring that back into the plot like maybe they decided at some point that like this is super heavy or they're I think it was because I think it was because Denise I think it was because Denise left Rome so they were like had the pos they invited her to come out of that party had her apologize I wonder what the timeline was but I think that once they they probably were like we need to like make this the back end of the story for the season yeah, the wild thing to me is like, why would Denise, why would Camille ever come back on this show again? Like, she had such a great return as like nice as Saint Camille, and then it all kind of went to shit. And now I'm like, aren't you making this worse for yourself? Because now these women, at least, at least when it comes to like the superficial short term of shooting with these women, like putting aside what the audience will feel or whatever else. They're going to make it so uncomfortable for you. Aside I... from, like, Kyle saying, you know, like, we'll turn over a new leaf, whatever, come to my party. Like I think it was wrong to not bring Camille back on full-time after last season because she was representative of the Lisa Vanderpump camp and it was a way to come mm-hmm. on the season with drama. And maybe it would have, like, been a beginning of the season would have been resolving that so that way it wasn't all about Denise's fucking barbecue threesome stuff. So I think that there's... And I think that that, like, I remember talking to, a, like, a friend who was, like, I kind of liked the reunion and how it was, like, everyone got along except for that. And he was, like, that Camille stuff was too much. And I was, like, Camille was the only part of the reunion that was conflict because Vanderpump wasn't there. So, like, I'm not interested in watching a three-part reunion that's all the women getting along and refusing to bring up anything. So... I feel like I don't wonder know why the net why does yeah. the network want not want to have Camille back on full time? I think it does have something to do with Kyle, and I think that that is also like why would Teddy have come back? Like that makes no sense. Like the fact that they would have chose they prioritized Teddy over Kyle is like, I mean, sorry, uh, Teddy over Camille is like weird to me. I agree with you, and it also shows. Yeah, I agree with you, and through agreeing with you and like pointing out the fact that what they're doing right now with Camille makes no sense. Like the fact that they're using her super sparingly to like discuss something random or not something random, but just discuss this like apology or whatever. The fact that there are some feelings about Camille got it, but then that's it. And then also like, does like she owe- standing awkwardly? And, and also does she owe Rinna up an apology. Right. Cause like- Rinna, we're going to, we're going to say Rinna is owed an apology. Rinna has a, long list of shit that she will never apologize about and to people like, like does does, wild. does camille truly have a an, a owe all of these women um if she believed what she said at the time does she owe all of them apologies because she basically came to that reunion to defend herself and also lisa vanderpump so was she like doing too much yes but also like is she now a year plus later apologizing for like what she said it seems weird wait a second this is just kind of occurring to me because I truly do not think about Camille. Um, Camille's apology in large part was apologizing for bringing up Dorit's financial indiscretions. How is that worse than what they're talking about, uh, about Denise maybe cheating on her husband? And I mean, the saying stupid shit, it's like, who hasn't talked shit about Teddy? I mean, it's like the price of admission to being a human person at this point. But 
how how is that unforgivable? Rinna is going to say that that's unforgivable? Really? Talking about something that's like legal fact in legal filings, that there are financial improprieties that are at least being discussed in court, like regardless of how much money they may or may not have, the fact that there is discussion about it that can be that's on public record and Camille is being forced to apologize for saying BT dubs. This is something that I've heard. And that is worse than what Rinna is doing on the show and online. Like that's insane to me. That shows how beyond this world Lisa Rinna currently is. And I say that with the qualifier that like she's been great for the show in the sense that she's explosive. But my problem is at this point, it is so manufactured. She's on a much higher horse to me than Erica Jane has ever been before in the, you're looking at I'm just thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. It feels so manufactured and that she truly thinks that she is God's gift to housewives, which is why every shitty, terrible thing that she's Mm. saying in Instagram stories, she thinks she can get away with because she assumes that she's still like the people's queen. Here's the difference to me, at least, is that Erica Jane thinks she's above it and like holier than thou in a way that like she's above having to do anything. And I think Lisa Rinna is like, think she's like really good at it but she's okay getting herself dirty and so i'm okay she's okay being the villain erica jane just like didn't want to participate and i i don't i to me that is different because at least lisa rinna is like doing shit you we need there needs to be an antagonist every season and i feel like she is being that in part at least my problem with Lisa Rinna is that she absolutely does not believe that she is um the antagonist she absolutely well a villain can't think a villain can't think they're the villain But my problem is that she's going unchecked. Like, uh, I, Lisa, the Erica Jane of it all, it's like she's she's neither here nor there. She's that's not boring. That's terrible television. But my problem is, and maybe it's with production more than Rinna, that Rinna is getting away with this and is not, no one is holding her to account. She's 100% going to get held to account, but it's like, it's a story, right? So, like, we're not there yet. Like, she's, like, and it sounds like Garcelle, if not Denise, is going to hold her accountable for her behavior that I totally yeah so like we like like we have to have this part of the season where we hate Lisa Rinna and I feel like it must be a really like weird mental thing to be a reality tv person because like we see them as characters and archetypes of like this Mm -hmm. she's the villain we're watching this Mm -hmm. she's we hate her right now Mm -hmm. we need to see resolution where she's held accountable and she either apologizes or we continue to hate her and we enter a new phase of that and she is a real person but she is doing these things on camera so it's like yeah, I think that I would rather someone be messy as fuck and think that what they're doing is correct and make great television than think that them being like in, in like in couture and having like a glam squad that's a lot of money that I don't know where you get all that money from um, being interesting television because it's not. We talked so much, and we have only talked about one franchise. Which is sort of the way that both franchises want us to run with this. I do have one satchel relating to Ramona, and Mm. I feel like it really covers anything that we may or may not want to say. So I just want to read this satchel, which is from Tana in St. Louis, who says, Hi, Sarah. I loved last week's Andy's Girls with Mariah Smith. 
I wanted to let you know that I appreciate you and Mariah's takes on the scene with Luann and the Fortune Society. As a black woman, I felt very uncomfortable and honestly quite angry while watching that particular scene. I also felt such sadness for the men and women of color who sat in that group session and listened to Luann try to compare her one night in jail assault of a police officer and resisting arrest with their vastly different experiences within the prison system. Luann's white privilege was very evident during last week's as well as this week's episode. In the scene where a black woman named Christina shared with Luann and Ramona that she had been incarcerated for 38 months and that she was at the wrong place at the wrong time, Luann piped in and stated, yeah, tell me about it. As you and Mariah mentioned, Luann was able to come out of her experience unscathed following her arrest, which unfortunately, as we all know, cannot be said for black Americans in this country. I was surprised yet happy to see that the women from the Fortune Society were able to get their spa day and they looked beautiful in their after makeover photos. Since it was announced and confirmed by Andy this week that the reunion for New York will be filmed in person, I really hope that Luann is called out for the problematic things she has stated during the last two episodes and how it ties into the Black Lives Matter movement. I was also deeply disturbed by Ramona's behavior during this week's episode. Can we talk about the absolutely appalling things she said to the employees at the resort in Mexico? When entering the house, her exact words were, how many helpers do we have here? It's like servants galore here. Yes, her treatment of employees at the different resorts they have stayed in during previous seasons has been awful, but to me, this was at an all-time low. There is truly not an ounce of empathy or sensitivity in that woman's body. This type of mistreatment can no longer be ignored and must be addressed. I apologize for the long uh, message, but these past two episodes of New York have been somewhat difficult to watch and not as enjoyable, to be honest. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on everything Bravo this week. Ugh, God, I, I hear Tana. I hear Amen. that. I yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that Ramona has always been terrible, but I think that this season is just like really like making it so clear how we need a recast on it and that mm-hmm. and the only people that I think are coming back are Dorinda and Leah um mm-hmm. I mean this particular this past week's episode Sonia was naked and drunk while a woman was blow drying her hair and I was like this is so like embarrassing but also mm-hmm. like disgusting and the way in which Ramona brought up Leah's like bipolar disorder which is, mm-hmm. like, just, like, another... And then, like, dug her heels in it on it. And I don't know. And, like, I just, like, I'm, I'm constantly... And, again, I listened... So I listened to your episode with Dylan and thought it was, like, a really something I never thought about, which is that unlike a lot of the other franchises where they have, like, young kids that are on camera or they have... They had careers, like, pre the show or they have, like, Denise and Garcelle are acting or Kyle just filmed Halloween or Teddy has a stupid thing or whatever that like the women on New York only have careers that are really at this point fueled by the show. So like, I don't want to hear about the cabaret. Like it's so stupid to me because, and also Dorinda is a mean drunk and I don't, and not excusing her behavior. That said, 
The fact that Dorinda apologized to Luann for behavior in one of the last couple episodes and said, like, can I blame it on the alcohol because I don't even remember. And I felt very defensive for Sonia. And Luann was like, yeah, absolutely, because I don't remember either. And then Leah says to Luann, says how Luann was quite happy at the jazz club the minute she left the party sad. And that then she tells Luann we made out at the club. And Luann is like, did we? I don't even remember that. I am like, at a certain point, everyone isn't allowed to call everyone else an alcoholic when everybody literally forgets stuff that happens on camera. Like, Luann was crying drunk on camera. That felt honest to me, except that I think she was also blackout drunk and maybe just manifest, metabolizes it differently than Dorinda does. So it's like mm-hmm. the, the constant watching people only argue annihilated and then nobody remembering it and like them being like, Dorinda needs to be held accountable. And she's like, no. And I think well, why, before I used to be mad and be like, she needs to own up to this. But now I'm like, Nobody remembers anything. Like, they don't remember their arguments. Like, Sonia brought up the bipolar disorder. She was literally drunk babbling. And Leah, literally, I felt like she looked at the cameraman to be like, I'm right here. And then Sonia was like, she didn't say nothing about you. She didn't say nothing about you in your depression. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, this isn't funny to me. Like, is it funny to watch Ramona plunge a toilet? Yeah. Like, is it funny to watch, like sums of that stuff? Like, yeah. But then it's like, also, it's like sad. And I'm like, nobody... Get rid of everybody. Damien, I just want to say I'm like looking at your beautiful face and I so love talking to you. (laughs) And I just, I know I really do. Like I love when we connect and like you make me a better person and I make you listen because I talk so loudly that you can't um, interject. And I just want to say that like I yearn for a time in which New York is good again because this franchise used to bring us like so much joy and like you and I have had so many great exchanges and episodes where we're breaking down the minutia of New York and it's just so unfortunate unfortunate oh my god you guys I haven't slept this weekend it's just so unfortunate that um New York is in such a place where uh it's not just that I have less of an interest in talking about it it's like there's nothing there and what is there is so depressing that like we all know Ramona is mental health shaming Leah. We all know that all of these women have um, uh, extreme, extreme issues with anger, rage, ego, and most importantly, for the purposes of how these episodes are framed, alcohol. Um, It's unfortunate that Ramona has decided to talk about other people's alcohol issues because she happens to be able to handle her first 12 glasses of Pinot Grigio better than than the rest. It's unfortunate that like Ramona is just a truly horrible person. It's like weird to me that the um <laughs> the like one thing that I was thinking about the most after this episode, which I guess just says a lot about me, is um the fact that it turns out that Ramona had this fucking birthday party. It's a piece of shit, ridiculous ego display that has absolutely nothing to do with any kind of new beginning or anything else. It's just Ramona putting on her own little pride parade of the fact that, look, I have people from society that know who I am. Let's celebrate me some more. And the fact that she, Ramona, who's decided that she's the teacher of what it means to be behaving, to behave in a certain way, respond, um, to behave in a certain way in society and, and, and how to look at people and how to treat people, asked every single attendee, all 50 friends of hers, to put in $100 so that Ramona could be surprised with a $5,000, I assume, 
Gucci bag that she herself picked out. A woman who makes how many hundreds, many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, from her job on Housewives of New York, plus all the fake businesses she has, plus everything else. A woman who went on Watch What Happens Live this week and talked about how um, well, the 1% is considered can start with people who make $500,000 a year. And that's just not a lot of money. Like you make how much money on housewives and you go on watch what happens and say you couldn't tip the delivery person at, in the Berkshires because you were too busy filming. But you had the time to email 50 women and tell them to Venmo you for your birthday. That is the craziest, wildest thing to me that came from this week's episode, which just shows to me like. Aside from everything else, which is so much more important in the long scheme, but I'm obviously someone who's very focused on the details of it all, like just the minutia of a monster. I'm just good. Uh, like, that's the one thing where I was cackling. I mean, I think that Ramona is no, it's no, like, she's, none of this is new behavior, but right. it is certainly something that, like, that 1% comment was, in this climate, I was like, baby, you were just, you're just watching Ramona get fired right now. Like, that's what I think. And I'm just like, who is going to go with her? Because it just feels like the it is on the wall. I mean, she's insulting people's mental health. She's degrade. She is, as usual, being patronizing and degrading to service people who, you know, yeah, she is tone deaf. And... I think we're, I'm, I'm hope, I was so excited to see Heather Thompson. She looked beautiful. And I was like, okay. So oh, in the, in the, in the Berkshire's. Berkshire's like two episodes ago. So yeah, if yeah. she's friends with Dorinda, because they, I don't think they ever intersected, did they? I'm here. I'm just for all the I don't think like, so. I think Dorinda came, Dorinda and Bethany came back. Oh, so maybe, yes. Maybe there was one season where they, they, um. Yeah, they did. They did for one season. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, okay, great. So I was like, okay, so like, is it going to be like Leah and her sister and like, and then Dorinda and Heather and then maybe like a new person or two? I'm not sure if I'm into the sister being a full-time cast member, but I am into a total rehaul. I feel like New York needs total new energy. And I feel like, especially in this moment that we're living in, the like Upper East Side ladies who lunch vibe is so like dead and like Dorinda has enough of that in her that she can we can get the end of her arc if she's like on her way out one more season and see how she like if she can sort of level out again um but yeah it's just like I agree it's just not fun it feels like a job to watch it it makes me sad I feel like I worry about everybody when like there's a little when there's a literal conversation about someone being like Sonia did cabaret before you cabaretesque yeah but it was good wasn't it I was like are we talking real like is this really the conversation <sighs> i i Sonia, i miss Sonia was, like, bethany on mirrors i know i miss bethany who's never coming back because she makes abundantly clear in every tweet i am not coming back she 100 percent back in three she 100 percent will come back in like yeah. max five seasons but probably less yeah I don't, I don't think i don't think it'll be a, i think it'll be three. Oh, i I'll, think lvp will also be back but you know that's just because um that's interesting. I feel like yeah. that will be more. That seems like harder to me because she seemed, she went she went out with her tail between her legs in a way that Bethany didn't. Oh my God, you guys! I forgot to say, congratulations to Lisa Vanderpump, what a contemporary in the podcasting sphere, who at this time in our country has announced a podcast to talk about things that matter. She referenced ponies <laughs> and sparkle. 
and I think wine in her social media posts. And I just have to commend Lisa Vanderpump for doing the right thing yet again and using her platform to discuss marginalized communities like that lame pony in Ohio that she decided not to adopt. I am so excited to tune in. So kudos to you, Lisa Vanderpump, uh, for getting yet another vehicle to talk about the things that really matter. Great. Sorry. No, I I didn't know, and I love it. This is a week of special announcements. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting whenever we talk about Housewives returning, just like we always want it, but then is it like, is it what we want? Because it like will ruin who they were, but also some of them need it. And then also sometimes the show just needs that archetype and that person can do it so well. I mean, it's like, be careful what you ask for, I guess, at the end of the I day. I think New York needs voice of reason. I want to see Leah be held accountable, but because she and, and Dorinda and Leah are like the two people who are grounded in reality. Like, that's the problem. Like, they need to not be those archetypes so that we can see. You know what I mean? Like, I need somebody like I need Bethany to be able to talk to Dorinda. I need Bethany to be able to say to like Leah, like my talk about her relationship with her mom or talk about the fact that she's drinking only recently aka mm-hmm. since she started filming the show like i need someone to talk to these women who i think are smart i don't know that i think that sonia and luann and ramona are like smart or so i know they're not self-aware and i don't know that i think that they're emotionally smart people i mm-hmm. think that dorinda and leah have contained that but i they're they're just like nobody in who's like in the world who can be like look at the camera and be like what the fuck right now it's leah and that doesn't feel totally right um, completely agree with you. And I'm also curious what's going to happen with this reunion because they're filming it in person, I think, on Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday um, in on Long Island, which is amazing. Uh, uh, I say that um, I say that as I say it. And um, so they're filming and Tinsley flew in for it, which I was surprised by. Um, but we'll see what happens. I assume it'll be. It's a weird position now because Dorinda and Leah have aligned, but obviously Dorinda and Tinsley have stuff. It would be great if Tinsley, Dorinda, and Leah could unite against Ramona, but it's not. There aren't true alliances Sonya's right a, now. Sonia's a floater, so she'll and go. And Sonia's a floater; she'll go wherever. So it'll um, be. It'll probably be Leah and Dorinda on a sofa with Sonia in the middle, slash a tw- like a what a fourteen foot sofa, and then. Oh yeah, how's that even gonna work? Are they gonna be in separate chairs? Why are they filming on Long Island? I'm assuming that there's probably a warehouse, there's, and also there's just probably like maybe looser, um, like maybe is oh, it restrictions? Is there? I don't know if like if they're are I they by know. county in Long Island? I'm not really sure, honestly. I have no idea. I couldn't. Tell I don't you. know enough. So like maybe the restrictions are a little looser, but I also no would idea. think that like I'm assuming Andy will be there in person. But how do they do Beverly Hills? Beverly Hills, they all were in their separate houses. They met up the majority of the women minus um, Garcelle, Sutton and Denise. Yeah, Garcelle and Sutton um, met up after for a little like post reunion kiki. But they all filmed in their separate houses. And Andy obviously zoomed in from New York. Um, Oh, so it's it's totally online like Atlanta. What, Beverly Hills? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this round uh, from what I from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This round, I think everyone's going to be in person. I mean, I assume hair and makeup wasn't allowed there. I assume they probably did stuff, but it's Long Island. I have no idea how the mechanics of this are going to work. They're getting their hair and makeup done with f- with face shields and um, oh yeah yeah and yeah masks okay, on, and okay, they I probably are just going to like not do any BTS content so that people can't criticize it. You know, this is my guess. 
I'll be curious to see how it goes. I mean, I think it's going to, I think that you had talked about like how we're probably not getting new content at a certain point. I kind of mm -hmm. disagree. I think that we're going to get content and I think it's just going to look different and be weirder and shorter. And, um, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's like one of those, like, I think Atlanta is filming or started to film. Like they just apparently like hired a new housewife or testing somebody, but mm -hmm. apparently like Atlanta's under a big rehaul with, this is like word on the street that mm -hmm. and, like, and they're really going to focus on. Kenya, Portia, Cynthia, and Candy. Oh, love. And then maybe there's going to be like a new housewife, but I don't, they're like not super pressed about it apparently at this point. They're like auditioning a woman or two. And then I think Tanya and Marlo are coming back as friends. But apparently like the, it's going to be a lot more about like the actual like civil rights moment we're living in. So mm -hmm. I, but obviously like how are they filming? Like Atlanta was loose, but then it went back on a lockdown. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Like I just feel like everything is going to look weird. Everything's going to like look like iPhone footage mixed with cameras but like everyone's gonna be at a picnic I mean my thing is I just trust Candy so much she's so smart about everything and mm. has been so smart about so much aside from her birthday party <laughs> right where, I mean I love her it's not great I mean nobody's you know like uh, all that to say she's smart as a uh, business person and so I I am really really um I look forward to whatever it is that Atlanta produces um and hope that everyone there stays safe um, guys, couple housekeeping notes. Uh, Instagram at Dame Galley. Um, grab the Bravo Holics pledge. Post it on your social. Comment on the post itself. Um, follow the accounts that have signed on. Um, especially those of Black Bravo Holics. Um, listen to Taria's podcast instead of listening to Not Skinny But Not Fat. Let's give the listens to Taria, and I will link to her pod if you want to hear a snippet of what was a longer, unfortunately very upsetting conversation between Amanda and um, – oh, my God, I just forgot her name. Um, Heather. Heather. <laughs> we both did. Um, <laughs> Heather Thompson. And um, again, Amanda, if you're listening, I think it is incredibly important, as I did during this episode, um, understand when you are saying something that can hurt someone um, and is a microaggression and you apologize and do better. And the one little thing that I'm going to say, which was um, something that was posted this morning by one of my favorite people, Raven at Mainly Bravo, who said, remember, if you are corrected, realize your mistake and have apologized. Realize your mistake and have apologized. You don't need to keep bringing it up over and over again. This can just end up creating more harm. It's okay to be wrong and make mistakes. The important thing is learning from your mistakes so you don't repeat them again. And it's really important to listen to um, uh, black people and people of color, black people and people of color when you are corrected, even if you don't understand in that moment, don't challenge it. Go and talk to other white friends who are doing the work, research the issue and examine why you may have felt defensive in that moment. Check your fragility. And I feel like that's something that we can all learn from and be better and understand that if you actually believe in this stuff, you need to make changes in your own personal life. And the best way to make that change is listening to people um, when they are telling you that you've done something wrong, owning up to it and doing better. 
Um, guys, Bravoholics, Kiki, OG of the AG, Patreon, first time ever, Zoom, Andy's Girls, Turtle Time Happy Hour will be next week, August 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is an exclusive Kiki with yours truly on Zoom, of course, my favorite club right now. And it's open to only the OG of the AG level, Patreon Patrons. That is um, the sassiest level available on Patreon. So if you have not joined the OG of the AG specific Patreon uh, level on Patreon, do that now and you'll get some info um, about this turtle time. I'm so excited about it. And I'm so excited about the next couple weeks of guests. I think like the next... I don't even know. I think it's like over three weeks of guests are all super, super new and amazing people for the People's People's Couch. So I'm so excited about that. And I'm so excited um, about all of you and all of you joining up and supporting the Bravoholics Pledge and all of you who are going to be following myself at Dame Galley on Instagram and Damien Bellino at Damien Bellino and all of you who are going to listen to Damien's podcast you might know her from you can listen to all of those archived episodes on iTunes with I'm sure um anywhere you listen any works anywhere you listen to podcasts and we are um on a hiatus for the uh summer but we will be back uh soon Perfect. And what better way to jump back into fall than listening to Andy's Girls again with Damien and then listening to you might know her from and then you being like, oh, my God, I might know him from Andy's Girls. But now I'm listening to his podcast. And it's so great. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Amen. So, Damien, anything that I missed out on that I didn't say in our seven hour, 100 percent double episode that's <laughs> airing the day of Potomac where we didn't actually recap the Potomac. Potomac premiere because it hasn't happened yet, which means every additional future episode of Andy's Girls is going to be seven hours long. Can you believe? Uh, can you believe? It was, um, this was great. No, nothing. You brought up everything. It was a great to talk to you about Beverly Hills. I really, it's like one of the first times in a long time that I feel really caught between like, mm-hmm. I feel team Denise, but also feel complicated about that, you know? Yeah, and like, what does it mean to be Team Denise? Because really, right now, what we're having a conversation with isn't really about one side or the other, totally. but just about like the merits of this stuff airing on TV. And speaking of, guys, comment on the episode picture, which will be a glorious pic of Damien and myself um, from two thousand and two. And let us know your thoughts because I really want to um, understand your perspective. And we had a really honest and open conversation about like the. Uh, area and idea of some sort of shame circulating around this conversation that happened at the dinner table in Rome, AKA what I think of in my head as Milan um, in Rome. I want to hear your thoughts um, listeners. So re- AGs, my fabulous um, sassies. So please let us know your thoughts and feels because I'm really, really curious. We told you how we felt and how we watched the episode, and I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Okay, love you guys. This was 1,700 hours long, but it could have been another eight years because that's how much I love talking to Damien. And guys, can't wait to hear from you and talk to you again soon. And again, signing up for Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls.